APU. American Public University is proud to present Innovations in the Workplace. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Curley, and today we have as a guest, Justin Goldstone, and we will be talking about blockchain and artificial intelligence. Justin, can you give us a little bit about your background? Thanks, Wanda, and thank you for having me on on this podcast. So I'm a professor of project and supply chain management, where I like to say that my research is based on the blending of supply chain management and emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence and blockchain with sustainability. I say that because I think that, you know, we're moving into a world that's going to require what, what I refer to as systems thinking, you know, where everything is going to be interconnected. And I think that we're going to need these technologies to be integrated together to move toward this Web3 world. I totally agree. I'm right there with you. I like to look at artificial intelligence and how it affects the business world. And obviously, blockchain is going to affect the business world quite a bit as well. So for our listeners, could you talk a little bit of how you define blockchain and how you define artificial intelligence? Okay. So let me, let me start off by saying, you know, I'm going to start off by saying that I normally mention AI because I say that there's no such thing as general artificial intelligence. Whenever you say artificial general intelligence, you know, you're thinking about C-3PO from Star Wars or, or the Terminator. We are years away from that. You know, so whenever I say AI, I refer to it as augmented intelligence in that it's only a tool and it's going to assist us in our decision making. You know, in our everyday lives, in our careers, whether you like it or not, AI is around you every single day. So I would say I always have people to say, you know, do your research on AI because it's going to be impacting you more and more as we continue forward. All right. In terms of blockchain, I think that it's the people who discuss blockchain that makes it complex. I would say that blockchain is nothing but what we call a distributed ledger which means that we have nodes or computers that are distributed around the world where people have to confirm transactions. We have to meet a consensus and that enables us to have those transactions to be transparent to everyone around the world. Yes, some people will say, well, what about health records? Well, you have permissioned blockchain. So healthcare records would be on a permissioned blockchain. And then you also have permissionless blockchains. So that's similar to Bitcoin. You know, that's similar to any kind of transactions for like food distribution. So if we want everyone around the world to see those transactions, if we want those transactions to be transparent, that would be a permissionless blockchain. So blockchain is nothing but decentralized, transparent nature of the Internet. That's all it is. Okay. Now I understand it. I wish somebody had explained it like that to me previously, because I've always been uh, amazed at blockchain, and but never understood what it was. And I agree with you about AI. Yes, it's not really artificial intelligence like Terminator or what we saw on HAL on 2010, A Space Odyssey. So 
now that I understand blockchain and AI a little bit, can you explain to me how they might help each other? Will blockchain help artificial intelligence and will artificial intelligence help blockchain? So now I mentioned Web3, Web3.0, that's the next evolution of the Internet, right? And Web3 is where we're going to have this convergence, this blending of the Internet of Things, IoT. And you're going to include blockchain. You're going to include AI. So all of these technologies are going to work together because they need each other in order to continue to evolve, you know, in the world. So, for example, I'm doing some research at Penn State University and how we can assess the feasibility of solar energy uh, usage across the entire island. Right. We're using AI and we're using IoT to track the usage of photovoltaics, right? But we also need to use blockchain to track the transparency of the distribution of all of those goods. So let's just say that, okay, we have proven the viability of using photovoltaics in Puerto Rico, right? So now we need thousands of solar panels transported to Puerto Rico. Okay. Now, Puerto Rico has had a history of corruption in the state. Okay. So, in order for the residents of Puerto Rico to trust that those materials are going to get down to that island, we can use blockchain to ensure the transparency of that exchanging of ownership of those goods. Right. So, that's just one use case where those two technologies can work together in one scenario. And also, you know, the opportunities are endless. I can imagine now that I understand it a little better. But do you see AI affecting the architecture of blockchain or will the architecture always stay the same? That's a great question. So whenever you say, is AI going to affect the architecture? I think so. That layer one architecture. So. Whenever we look at the different layers of blockchain, you know, you will have Bitcoin, you have Ethereum, right? But then you have separate layers that impact the utility, the functionality. So, for example, I'm doing some work on the Polkadot blockchain. Once Polkadot builds out that blockchain, yes, there's going to be changes to it. Yes, there's going to be improvements to it. But on top of that Polkadot layer, you're also going to have organizations, you're going to have projects that are going to bring in things such as artificial intelligence, right? So whenever you say change the architecture from a user perspective, yes, right? From an underlying blockchain perspective, I'm not sure, right? Because Polkadot would have to make that modification. Ethereum would have to make that modification, not the projects that are building upon Polkadot and Ethereum. I know we're getting deep. Uh, that's okay. Can you explain a little bit about Polkadot and Ethereum? That's two new terms for me. All right. I always want to back up and I want to say that we know of Bitcoin and Ethereum as cryptocurrencies. And that is just one use case of blockchain. Everyone relates, you know, blockchain to cryptocurrencies. That's just one use case for it. Right. So Ethereum. So Bitcoin is the most popular cryptocurrency. Ethereum's the second most popular. Bitcoin is a store of value. It's like gold, okay? Ethereum is the utility. 
So Ethereum, one individual on another podcast said that Bitcoin's gold, Ethereum's S&P 500. I said, that's amazing. I said, that's amazing because Ethereum provides the utility for so many different blockchains. You have to use that Ethereum token, that Ethereum coin, that Ethereum cryptocurrency to perform a transaction. It's like a credit card fee. It's like a transaction fee for your credit card, right? That's what Ethereum does on the blockchain, okay? I got it. You're training me very well here. (laughs) (laughs) So Polkadot. So one thing with blockchain is that Ethereum is good for utility. It's good for those transaction fees. It's good for those smart contracts. Because so many things are built on smart contracts, which are self-executing contracts. They're contracts that are written as code, right? I don't have to trust you. It's on a smart contract. So once I perform my duty, once I make this purchase, the smart contract automatically executes it, right? So that's why I call it the trust machine. Because the trust is in a code. It's not in a person. It's in a code. That's why I love it. So that's why a number of blockchain solutions are built on Ethereum, because that's a smart contract. But if you have other use cases, Ethereum cannot perform those types of transactions. So, for example, if I want to perform a validation for a license, like a a law license or or a license in healthcare, or let's just say a student transcript. Ethereum would struggle with that. The Ethereum blockchain would struggle with that. There are other blockchains out there, such as Chainlink, that have utility that is good at confirming certain things, right? There's other blockchains out there. So uh, there's another blockchain called Brave. Brave is creating a decentralized internet, decentralized net that incentivizes people to contribute. So instead of putting up your content for free on YouTube, Right. And YouTube benefits from it. Yes, you do. You get thousands of a penny or something like that. But instead of YouTube benefiting from your content, you can go on Brave and then you as a creator get rewarded for it. That's the decentralized nature of the blockchain. You're truly being rewarded for your content. You don't have to get 100,000 likes or 100,000 views for you to see a dollar. I'm exaggerating, but that's what this Web3 world is moving to. You know, and that's why we have so many different blockchains. You know, I I just did another podcast this morning with the Government Blockchain Association. And, you know, there's between two and three thousand tokens or cryptocurrencies out there. What that means, the way I look at it is even if half of those because there there, there are some tokens out there that do not have a project behind it, like the meme coins, like Dogecoin. I don't like those tokens because there's nothing behind it. But let's just say. Hypothetically, that half of those tokens have a project behind it. That means there's at least a thousand use cases for blockchain, right? There's a thousand different uses (laughs) for blockchain. And these organizations created a token to create utility because you have to use that token to perform an activity, a transaction on that blockchain. For example, Polkadot. Polkadot is the main net, for example, right? So that's the main network. Once Polkadot is completely built out, that's where these companies are going to be performing their transactions. Now, they have a test net because Polkadot was only established like last July. It's not even year old yet. If you want to get technical, it's not even a year old yet. If you really want to get technical, Polkadot doesn't exist yet because we just released what they call the test net with Kusama. 
So Kusama is a test net where organizations can build solutions, but you have a token that you have to purchase in order to get what they call a slot on that test net, on that parachain. Now, I threw out a lot of different names here, but I would say to summarize, there's a token that provides utility for a use. So it's investment in that token where everyone will actually contribute to that ecosystem. So, for example, there's a company called Akala. Akala just secured the first parachain slot on Kusama. They raised, I forgot how much, I think it was like between 150 and 200 million dollars in a week from everyone, from other people. They did what they call a crowd loan, right? It's like crowdsourcing, same exact concept, but in blockchain, right? So they raised between 150, 200 million dollars. What happens is, is that I gave my tokens to Akala, okay? Akala locks my tokens in. Because I loaned them out my money, they also added some of their tokens for my interest, if you will, right? So they're going to hold my tokens for, I think, 36 weeks or something like that, right? Once they're done with my tokens, they give my same exact quantity back to me on top of my reward tokens that they gave to me as my interest, right? They say, thank you. Here's some more tokens. Thank you for your contribution. Right. So you see that utility from that Kusama token. OK, so then once Polkadot is built out, the same exact thing is going to happen for Polkadot. They're going to do their crowd loan, their crowdsourcing. Right. I'm going to give them my tokens. They're going to lock in my Polkadot tokens. They're going to give me more tokens. And then once that 36 weeks, 52 weeks has ended, they give me my tokens right back to me. Wow. Interesting concept. I actually had a uh, friend who produces movies, and he did it through a crowd loan. Uh, now I understand what he did. That was interesting. Yeah, that's in the blockchain space. So if you look at Republic.co, Republic.co has a crypto arm. So there's a lot of companies that are actually doing this. You know, where they're issuing out tokens for contribution. Wow. Interesting. Okay. This creates a lot of questions in my mind. The other day, I ordered a transcript, and it was online. Most colleges do it online now. It's not even through the college. It's through somebody else. So are you telling me that's done through blockchain? So Maryville University student transcripts, they're on a blockchain. Okay. So not necessarily just because I order it through a centralized company doesn't mean it's on blockchain, correct? Oh, no, no, no. no. Okay. So Maryville University, Oral Roberts, I believe MIT, because MIT had a project to put transcripts on the blockchain as well. So there's some research there. I think there's a few articles out there for MIT's project where they put transcripts on the blockchain. So you would have to have institutions that actually put those documents on the blockchain for it to be on the blockchain. But people say, well, what's the benefit? So, all right, let me ask you this question. How long did it take you for you to get that transcript? It was an online transcript. I didn't order a paper copy. So it was a PDF. I think it took a couple hours. Yeah. So he did this during a demo. So during a Lucian demo, he did it live. It took five seconds. 
Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that would be great, especially if you're in a rush. <laughs> yeah. Some people may not see value in that, but I see value in that because if I'm at an interview or if I'm at an academic conference, right, and I'm a student and I am speaking with a professor who I want to study under, like for a PhD, for example, right? We could be talking on the conference floor. I can bring up my transcript like that in seconds. That's the real use case. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Also, if a university has asked me because I'm applying for a job and they want it now, that would be great. Yeah. Wow. It's just amazing. And those solutions are already out there. Okay. Um, also, okay. another question that I've got in my mind here from what you were talking to us about. I read about a small city, town in Canada that actually accepts Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency for paying taxes or anything else. Do you see us doing that here in the United States or in other countries, the government accepting crypto? Not in the United States, but there's a few countries that's already done it. There've been a few countries in the news as of late, and they're kind of getting some backlash because the price of Bitcoin has went down. So I guess I think we're going to see more and more countries do that. I think El Salvador is moving toward this Bitcoin space, this Bitcoin movement. Also, the University of Nicosia. So I do some research with the University of Nicosia. I try, I'm looking to partner with them on a project where they've been accepting Bitcoin for Taj tuition for I think two or three years now. Wow, that's progressive. Very progressive. So another thing that's come out in the news as of late is where Wyoming is going to allow what we refer to as decentralized autonomous organizations to register as LLCs. Okay. What that means is that DAOs or decentralized autonomous organizations is where it is. The organization is run on the code. It's run on the blockchain. The way we put it is the code is law. Right. It does not have this hierarchical structure. Right. You have what we call governance tokens. Right. So if you're a token holder, you can make a proposal to make an addition to the organization, to make a change to the organization. And then once you have used your tokens to put up that proposal, then others will vote on that. Yay or nay. And if you reach a consensus then that proposal goes through and you begin to build that new solution. So that's one big thing. And whenever I look at it, so we're actually doing a project called SidTech where we're looking to develop, we're, we're building on Polkadot and we're developing a platform where students from around the world can collaborate and they can build, right? So they can build on the blockchain and we're developing a DAO so that the students can issue proposals and if the students are holding this governance token, then they choose yay or nay of whether or not a particular solution gets built out. So what I mean by that is, is that either the students can send a proposal or we can have an organization that would go in and submit a proposal. Let's just say that, OK, we want a blockchain solution. We have a bounty of fifty thousand dollars. We want a blockchain solution to increase the visibility of our supply chain network, for example, right? So then the students could say, no, 50,000 is not enough. I'm just saying hypothetically, hey, it's a DAO. I have no control over it, right? I can't control what these students are voting on. And I think that that is what's going to change the game 
from a business perspective, from a higher education perspective. Now the students have a say. Yeah, what a great way to involve the students. Yeah, so that's one thing we're building out. We participated in our first ever pitch competition two weeks ago, and we shared first place. So whenever we mentioned our concept of the Dow, it gained a lot of interest for the investors. So I actually have a call at nine o'clock to speak more about that because there's a lot of interest on that. And we need to start get rolling on that. We've been working on that since January of this year. So we want to educate people on the capabilities of blockchain. We want to remove the misconception that blockchain is nothing but, you know, crypto. You know, and we want to develop more solutions because we're only in the beginning of this Web3 movement. Yep. I hear that Web3 is, I've heard it from several sources that it's going to revolutionize the uh, internet. Today, we are speaking with Justin Goldston about AI and blockchain. We will be right back after this message. At American Public University, we believe that higher education can unlock higher purpose. So we offer 200 modern programs for those who want to make a difference. And we believe education must adapt to students' needs. That's why we've made it accessible through online classes and flexible with monthly program starts. American Public University. Within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. We are back with Justin. And Justin was speaking to us about how AI and blockchain may work together. So going back to what you were discussing, Justin, are there any applications where AI and blockchain are already integrated or is that something in the future? You're beginning to see people dabble in it. I will say that there are probably some out there, but there are none out there that I'm closely familiar with. Okay, there's a lot of discussions, and that's the one thing within the blockchain space that you'll see is that you'll see a lot of potential projects without organizations not moving forward, right? I want to see at least a proof of concept or MVP before I can actually speak to that solution, right? You know, so at this given point in time, people are talking about it, you know, but I myself had not seen a solution. Okay, that's fine. So, as you mentioned, blockchain and AI are code. They're coded by people. And within that code, it can be ethical or unethical, as we all know. It could reflect the ethics of the organization. It can reflect the ethics of the coder. And many organizations just blindly accept the black box theory that, it, oh, it's going to be ethical. So do you see... AI, since it can be ethical or on well, AI in itself is neutral. It's what's been coded into it. Do you see AI ever hacking into blockchain and changing it around? <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever asked me that question because my partner with the SidTech project, you know, there's AI solutions out there where people are teaching AI to code. Right. I am aware of that. Yes. So that's an amazing question of, you know, can AI see a vulnerability, right, and resolve that vulnerability? Or, so let me back up. So whenever I mentioned the DAOs, DAOs have a bad reputation, okay, because one of the first DAOs called the DAO had millions of dollars taken from it years ago. Right. So people call it a hack. It was not a hack. OK, first and foremost, it was not a hack. Someone exposed the vulnerability of that because a DAO is nothing but a huge smart contract. 
right? So because it's a decentralized autonomous organization, it's decentralized. So once that code is released, there's no fixing it. It's decentralized, right? So once that particular DAO was released, someone exposed a vulnerability and then people were taking money from it, right? So now DAOs have a bad reputation. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that if we had AI, you know, AI could potentially audit that code, but it's going to take a lot of learning, right? We're years away from this. This proposal I'm about to make, we're years away from this. But AI could get to the point where it's reviewed enough smart contracts where it could identify potential vulnerabilities and make suggestions or it could fix it itself. Right. So whenever you say AI can alter the code, I would say it could alter the code in good ways. Like you said, there's always people who want to perform malicious acts out there. Yes, I agree with you on that. But it's dependent upon how what it's trained on. You know, now we do say there's some brilliant people out there that's used AI for malicious acts. So, yeah, your point is valid. You know, you could have people out there to train AI bots on how to hack a blockchain because there's a lot of money in it. So, yeah, you are correct. You know, you could have people out there to train a bot how to identify vulnerabilities and hack blockchains. You could get there. Okay. So we would have to have cybersecurity. Oh, yes. Which we have already. So there would be other AI, cybersecurity AIs that would look for the vulnerabilities and stop those bots from doing that. Yeah. And that's one thing we were saying time and time again is like we're going to have to. It's like law enforcement. We have law enforcement to protect humans against other humans. Right. Cybersecurity. You're going to have AI bots to protect against malicious AI bots. It's going to be the same exact thing. Same exact thing, right? And again, it comes back to this whole systems thinking concept that I'm referring to. You know, you have to see how, you have to kind of peel back the onion and just say, okay, yeah, AI, it was developed by humans. What type of human developed this one AI bot, right? And now you have this other malicious bot to come in here and say, okay, we have to get into the mind of this developer, because that's how that bot is learning. That's how that bot is performing transactions. You see? You know, it's kind of like, you know, I was about to get a terrible analogy. Like, what was his name? Jeff Hammond in Jurassic Park? You got to get in his mind to say, okay, what kind of dinosaurs did he create? Hmm. Right? To kind of get to the crux of this thing. And Elon is not a fan of the government, but even Elon Musk said that, you know, the government has to get in front of this thing before it's too late. Right. Even Elon Musk said that, you know, AI can lead to World War Three, possibly. I truly believe the next war, hopefully we don't have one, will be all about cyber and up in the uh, Internet, so to speak. Yeah. And whenever I say there's no such thing as artificial general intelligence, it's my worry that there's some countries that are actually working on that right now, like trying to develop robots, like defense robots, if you will. You know, but we have that with drones now, you know, but I'm talking about like Terminator robots. <laughs> right, 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 right. Don't know if it'll happen in my generation or, you know, during my lifetime, but it could happen. Yes, I totally agree. Shifting a little bit here, I read where Bitcoin and all of those blockchain takes a lot of computing power and some may not have the computing power to use it, you know. Who knows? But would you see AI helping that area or, or not? 
So in terms of computing power, we have what we refer to as proof of work and proof of stake. Okay. Bitcoin uses proof of work where it uses complex mathematical computations, right? And that's where all that energy is expended. You know, you have, well, you used to have because China banned proof of work. So you don't have all of these, what we call farms, you know, so like mining farms and things like this, where you have like massive warehouses of nothing but computers, you know, trying to solve these equations. So you have all these machines within this warehouse trying to solve these equations. So that expends a lot of energy, a ton of energy, right? Now, Ethereum is proof of work now as it stands, but they're moving to proof of stake. At the end of this year, I think it's going to be more next year. So Bitcoin is going to be the main one that's going to expend all this energy. Yes, although, yes, proof of stake does expend energy, but nothing like proof of work does, right? Um, so... If you heard of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, where, you know, with the art and things like that, one student presented in, in it, because I, I talk about blockchain in almost every single class. So they did a research study on crypto and sustainability, right? Almost brought you to my eye. So they said that to mint one non-fungible token, it's the equivalent, just one, just one. It's the equivalent of a one-hour flight for one token. And... I was looking at a project yesterday on the Ethereum blockchain. They minted 10,000 tokens. So think about that. Think about that. They minted 10,000 tokens, you know, in one day, essentially. That's 10,000 one-hour flights in a day. But to answer your question, can AI kind of streamline this and mitigate this? I say maybe because it can look at the usage of it has enough data. Right. It has enough data from all of these computers doing all this mining so it can learn from that and it could potentially provide suggestions. All right. All it can do is provide suggestions as to what are the areas of opportunity for this proof of work model. Right. What are the areas of opportunity for this minting of these NFTs? Right. So I have not heard of any projects doing that at this given point in time, but I could see a potential for it. It is feasible to do that, um, but I don't see anything at this given point in time to do that, because another thing within this space, I know the market's down right now, but because there's so much money to be made because it's at the infancy, like projects like that. Nobody really wants to wants to spend time doing it. That's why I was having trouble getting funding with my project because of decentralized finance, because decentralized finance, everybody was making millions off of that. But nobody wanted to waste time about developing an enterprise resource planning application on a blockchain. Not whenever I'm making all this money in DeFi. Right. So even though you have these social impact guys saying this, they're still getting money on this DeFi. So all their funds are getting contributed to decentralized finance. So at this given point in time, I think the market's cooling off. So there will be some more sustainable projects emerging. And I think that's a good point you bring up where AI could see areas of improvement to making this the technology more sustainable. Wow, Justin, this has been an incredible podcast, and I can see where we're going to have to get back together again and discuss about sustainability, AI, and blockchain. But thank you very much for joining me today on this exciting topic. Do you have any last words for our listeners? If you want to learn more about supply chain management, sustainability, artificial intelligence, blockchain, you can go to my website, 
at justingolston.com. Um, you can also go to SIDTEK, S-Y-D-T-E-K.ai. We have a lot of education there as well. And if you want to be a student ambassador within blockchain, you can sign up on that SIDTEK website as well. Thank you very much, Justin. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. We have some exciting podcasts coming in the future on artificial intelligence. So stay tuned and stay well. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU, American Public University.